been on this series titled The Presence Driven Life. And, and basically what we're going for is in a generation and in a culture where everybody's trying to find their purpose, their destiny, and fulfill themselves, what we're actually driven by is not purpose, it's not destiny. We're driven by the presence. Um, I didn't get to finish my message last week, but let me kind of sum it up. I didn't even get to our primary text from last week where Moses kind of has this conversation. And if you didn't get it, you can go on our podcast or on our YouTube channel and see last week's message. Um, but I talked about how important it is for us over this last few weeks to really honor the presence of God so that we can increase it in our life, right? And so um, last week when we talked, we talked about finding direction and how we as believers find direction. And we don't do it from, you know, mentors or the way the world does it. God's actually given us a different way. He's given us the wisdom of God that we can use. He's given us discernment of the Holy Spirit and he's given us his glory. And, and the passage that I read that I didn't get a chance to get to last week, Moses is given instructions by the Lord to go forth, but Moses is a little nervous because he's got 1.5 million Israelites that he's got to lead. And if you've read any of the stories in the Old Testament, you realize that leading the children of Israel w- was not the easiest thing. And so uh, Moses says to God, he says, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. The only thing I'm asking is that your glory and your presence would go before me. The Bible says that God became a cloud, uh, a, a, became a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night uh, during the duration of 40 years where the children of Israel were stuck in the wilderness. But here's what the Bible says. As God was the cloud by day and the fire by night, they followed the cloud, right? What I want to point there is that our goal is not to search for purpose. We're to search for his purpose. The Bible says that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according not to our purpose, but to his purpose. When we start focusing on finding Jesus instead of finding our destiny, we start walking into another level of freedom. We're no longer implosive. A lot of our depression is because we're self-seeking and we're not seeking after the will of the Lord. But as we start looking for Jesus, we look for opportunities to serve. What the Bible says is that our gifts will make room for us. And so I believe a lot of our direction will come as we spend time in the glory. Many times we don't even understand the voice of God or how he's speaking to us. But like I said last week, es una otra lengua. Right? It's another language that it takes time and process to learn. God wants to take away some of that Egyptian filter from slavery and bondage. He wants to take you through the desert to purify you, cleanse you, and then he's going to land you in the promised land. But that's all going to happen because you're following the glory. You're not following your own selfish desires. If you believe that, right there in the chats, just say amen. All right? So we're on our last part, our, our fifth part, last part of the series. And this message this morning is titled, Bring Me a Harpist. Turn with me. This is the wrong season for me to be hearing gunshots. <laughs> are, we, are we good? As a black man, that wasn't very fun. All right. Triggered. Turn with me to, let's, Lord, you called me. I didn't ask for this. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 3. We're going to read a bunch of scriptures. I'm going to, we, we do have some notes online for you. All you have to do is text collide notes, one word, collide notes, to 94,000, right? The number 94,000, text the word collide notes. It should be coming up on the screen. Uh, we don't have too many notes this morning, but I do have a lot of scripture references for you that I've laid there that I won't even bring all of them up here. But this morning, I want to talk about praise, and we're going to talk about a couple of different things. The first half of this message, I'm going to really preach it and really give you some solid teaching. Then the second half of this message, I'm going to invite the worship team back up, and we're actually going to worship again, but we're going to kind of do it in a way where I teach you within our culture how to worship in freedom, how to worship with the 
Spirit of the Lord, and not self-conscious, but God-conscious, yeah? So this message this morning is all about praise. It's all about worship. Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 3. If you love the Word of God, just right there in the chat, I need everybody just to type the Word, the Word. Now, I know many of you watch online, and you don't like to interact, but, you know, I, I would really love for you to interact. It gives me some energy when I see them amens, all right? 2 Kings chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 14 to 15. The word, the word. All right, here's what it says in the New King James Version. Let me stretch it up because I'm getting older. The Bible says, verse 4, And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were, uh, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Elisha was a boss. Like, prophets did not care about your feelings, right? Um, but now bring me a musician. Some versions say harpist. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. This morning, I want to talk about praise and worship, but I want to really give a, a signifying kind of some emphasis on music and how music uh, helps us to praise and to worship God. Now, the first thing we have to realize is that there is a difference between praise and worship. And I grew up thinking that the difference between praise and worship was that praise equaled fast songs and worship equaled slow songs. But as I kind of go through the word of God, I actually see that there's a difference when the scripture uses the word praise and when the scripture uses the word worship. Whenever the scripture uses the word praise, it's always talking about a new song to the Lord. It's talking about a poem that was written unto the Lord. But when it talks about worship, it doesn't talk about a song. You know what it talks about? A lifestyle. The first point I want to give you is that the difference between praise and worship is that praise is what we give. Worship is how we live. Say that one more time. Praise is how, what we give, but worship is how we live. Where do, where do I get that understanding from? The Bible says, and we'll get there a little bit later, that the highest form of worship is not what we do on Sunday mornings. It's not what happens on the stage, but the prophet begins to speak to Saul that we'll see later, and he tells him that you've made sacrifices. You're giving. You're blessing his name. You're singing the songs, but your sacrifices don't mean anything because you don't obey the Lord. And there are a lot of people who think they're giving God praise when they're not living in worship. But God, uh, y'all are going to get mad at me this morning, but God will not accept your praise if you refuse to live in worship. <laughs> I, I got you. I got a scripture for you. The Bible says in Psalms 24, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can go up to where the Lord is? None but those with clean hands and pure hearts. And I've got to make this plain for a generation that does not like rules. We're living in a generation that does not like to be limited. They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be told that there's an absolute truth. As a matter of fact, even within the church, we have the mentality that we can worship God however we want to. And that's just not what the scripture says. And what many of us don't realize is that our praise gets blocked because our worship is not lived. See, what real worship is, is what you do on Monday. Oh, but Pastor Dell, I work for a tech company, a startup. How do I worship there? See, you got to see that not as a tech startup, but as a mission field. See, when you start thinking that I'm not an engineer, I'm not, uh, you know, I can't think of secular jobs right now, but you fill in the blank, right? It's, a, it's like, if you stop seeing it just as your corporate office and you start seeing it as the mission field, all of a sudden your heart begins to change and you realize that you're not here so you can climb up the corporate ladder. You're actually here to make God famous. 
But it requires that you have a renewed mind where you realize that worship is not what we do on Sunday. It's actually what we do on Monday. Worship is what we do on Tuesday afternoon when we're a little tired and short of patience and we want to cuss out the cash register and the cashier. Right? Like that's, that's worship. I don't know about you, but I'm real patient. I'm a, I'm a crazy, I'm a, I'm a like very devout Christian until I get on the freeway. Like, I, I promise you, I'm gonna put on some stickers on, on the back of my car and say, you know, I'm a Buddhist or a Muslim or something. I, I don't wanna embarrass Jesus like that. <laughs> but here's my conviction, that even when I'm driving, I have an opportunity to worship. What, what is worship? Worship is obeying. That's all worship is. And when, when I walk in the obedience and the submission of the Holy Spirit, then I'm living a life of worship. So the difference between praise and worship is not the BPM or the tempo. It has everything to do with the lifestyle. And I believe that as we worship, it empowers our corporate times of praise. In 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15, we see Elisha comes back on the scene, and there has been a series of ungodly kings who have lived in wickedness up until this last one. And this last one, right before we get to this portion of scripture, he actually wants to do something that hasn't been done for years. He wants to go to war, but before he goes to war, he wants to inquire of the Lord. And so he calls for this guy named Elisha, who's been this hidden prophet in the back seat. And he says, go bring Elisha, because I know the word of the Lord is in his mouth. We need prophets right now. I'm going to just put that out there, give you that for free. In the season that America is in right now, we don't need any nonprofit churches. We need everybody to be prophetic. We need to be hearing the direction and the word of the Lord. If you believe that, in the chats, in the room, somebody say amen for me. So they call Elisha because he has the word of the Lord. And Elisha, first of all, because Elisha is a gangster, and I think he learned it from his spiritual father, because uh, Elisha, they call Elisha to do something, and Elisha goes, God don't even like you. <laughs> like, he basically is like shunning them and giving them a hard time. And, I, and here's what I've learned, that you will never be able to get to the level that God wants you to get to until you overcome his offense. Come here. God will offend you. No, 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 not your brother, not the devil. God will actually offend you because on the other side of that offense is a humble heart. So what, what do you mean God will offend you? A woman comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, my, my child is sick and you've been healing everybody. So can you come over to my child and heal my child? And Jesus goes, um, you're a dog. And I didn't come for the dogs. I came for the house of Israel. And I'm reading this like, Pastor Jesus, how did you just call this woman a dog? Could you imagine doing that in 2020, like a pastor on social media? Somebody's like, hey, Pastor Dell, can you pray for me? Nah, you dog. <laughs> like, like, I'm only for Collide City Church. But that's what happens with Jesus. We got to paint the realistic picture. He, he says this offensive thing, but I love the woman. Because you, you remember what she said? Jesus said, <laughs> I love it. Jesus, I wish you could read the Bible like I read it. It's just very entertaining. Um, but, but the Bible says that Jesus offends her and, and, and tells her, you know, she's a dog. And this is her response. Jesus even dogs need some crumbs from the master's table. Now, here's her analogy. Jesus had just told her that healing is the children of Israel's bread. And she, I like her thinking because she says, if you want to call me a dog, I'll hang with that. But even dogs want a little crumb from the loaf. And here's the principle and why many of us don't get our breakthrough, because we want it our way. Many of us want the loaf when God wants to give us the crumb. 
And, and here's the revelation we don't understand. I love to bake, man. As you can see, I probably like to eat more than I like to bake. Uh, but I love, to, I, love, I love to bake. And I bake really good bread. I love it. Here's the thing when you bake really good bread. Uh, it, you can bake, uh, I'm going to give you a recipe. Very simple. Three cups of flour, about a stick of butter, add a little milk, some yeast, uh, and you got, you got a really good dough. You put that bad boy in the oven, give it an egg wash, take it out the oven. When you eat, uh, thank you, Jesus. I feel a praise in my spirit. Uh, and when you, when you eat that thing, it tastes real good. Here's the thing about crumbs. There, there's the same ingredients that are in the loaf that are also in the crumb. And many of us are missing our blessing because we're looking at the size of everybody else's loaf when we got the same thing in crumb version. I cannot afford as Collide City Church to look at bigger churches and go, oh, I want that loaf. I want that. No, no, no. I'm in a crumb season. I'm in a season where we've got the anointing of a mega church with a small church feel. Are y'all catching what I'm saying? That there is the same thing in the crumb. But the problem is that God will take us through a fence because he needs to humble us. Some of us... Oh, I don't know if you, y'all hear that on the thing. Let it play. It's fine. Just be the Holy Spirit. If it becomes too distracting, turn it off. I don't know if you guys can hear it in the recording, but this, this sense just started playing, so I'm going to take it as angels. Just let it go, Andrew. It's fine. But have you become too self-righteous to take from the Lord what he wants to give you? See, that's why many of our praise is stunted, because we are focused on what God's not doing, or what he's doing in other people's lives, and we're not focused on how he's blessing us. Baby, you might not have the loaf. You might not have the five bedroom, but thank him for that crummy apartment. <laughs> you, you might not have the best husband right now, but just thank God for the crummy husband. You, you may not have the best career choice right now, but thank God for the crumbs. Because if you can take the crumbs and be offended by Jesus and overcome it, he'll bless you with the loaf. I know he will, because at the end of that story, he tells the woman, your, your child is healed. But she had to get over a fence. The thing I love about God is that he's, he's made us in his nature. Yeah, we're going to have to turn that off for me, Andrew. It's like distracting me, child. Help me out. Thank you. The thing about praise is that God, when he created the world, and he made man, which by the way, I'll give you this for free, everything he spoke into existence, except for when it came to making humans, he decided for the first time in history to actually get dirty. That God, out of everything that was created, touched nothing except for you. And you think you're not special. You think God hasn't been good to you. Like, do you know what he did for Adam and Eve? He made something out of dirt. Like, that's the God that we serve. And when you start thinking, about how good God is and the things that he does in our lives, you know what starts happening? A praise should start rising. A, a hallelujah should come up out of your spirit. Yeah, people who come into services like this and worship is going on and they don't engage, it's not because they're not Pentecostal, it's because they're forgetful. Yeah, baby, I don't need a good song to, to praise God. All I need is a good memory. 
I, I, all I need to do is just think about how good God has been. Think about all the ways that he's made, all the bodies that he heals. And then all of a sudden what happens is there is a praise that comes forth. This is why David said, it is good that I was afflicted, that I would know the decrees of the Lord. What was David saying? David was saying, I understood educationally that God was a healer. But when I got cancer in my body and somebody laid hands on me and the cancer fell at the altar, it no longer was just education. It became revelation. And revelation was will always turn into praise. I think that's even why the angels keep going around the throne. I don't know this for sure, but for thousands and thousands of years, the angels keep going around the throne saying holy. And I think they get ready to give up about the 110,000th time. But they look at him one more time and they see a perspective of him, of Jesus, of God, that they've never seen before. And all of a sudden, another praise comes up. When you have a revelation that God is exactly who he said he would be. There ought to be a praise that rises up in your spirit. See, I think why we don't get the breakthrough that we want is because we don't give the sacrifice that he needs. We don't receive the breakthrough that we want because God does not receive the sacrifice that he needs. You know, in the Old Testament, the only thing that got fire was sacrifice. And in the church today, we wanna to ask God for the fire but we don't wanna give the sacrifice. We, we ask questions like, where is the God of Elijah? And God says, where are the Elijahs of God? He, he, he's looking for folks who will make the sacrifice. Stop showing up to church late. We will get real practical today. Stop, stop showing up to church late so that you can miss the majority of worship. Stop leaving service early, even those of you online. We're church now, we're family. I gotta talk to you like a pops, we gonna be real. Some of you who are online, stop leaving early. Our service is about two hours every week, two hours. And here's the crazy part. If you watch TV every day for about 20 minutes, you would not say that you worship TV. Nobody would look at that and go, man, he worships TV. Why do we think it's the case when we spend 20 minutes with the Lord a day? And we think that that's worship. No, no, friend, worship is a complete lifestyle devotion. And God wants to change us and form us. This is why he's trying to make us holy. He wants to make us more like him. And I believe that as we praise him, as we behold him, we become like him. Now, please hear me correctly. I'm not saying that we become God, but we, don't, we sure should confuse the world. The world should look at us and think that we're Jesus because of how we live and how we praise. Are y'all still with me? There are seven phrases which many of you will already know seven Hebrew phrases for the word praise. Let me pull up this. The first one is where we get the, the word hallelujah. The root word of that is halal. And I get a little nervous preaching like this and talking about Hebrew and Greek words because I didn't go to seminary, but Google did. And so if I get something wrong, just email me privately. I'll fix it next week. <laughs> but in my research, the, the word halal, that's where we get hallelujah from. Let me read this. It's a primary uh, Hebrew root word for praise. Our word hallelujah comes from this base word. It means to be clear, to praise, to shine, to boast, to show. And so what halal means is that we're gonna extol the Lord. We're gonna exalt him. We're gonna see a little bit later that even as we enter the presence of God, we are not to enter with repentance. We're actually to enter with thanksgiving. That's what the Bible says. A lot of times we start off our worship meetings in repentance, Lord, I'm sorry. Do that at home. Because when you come into the courts of the Lord, 
you're supposed to already be prepared to give him thanksgiving, right? And so what, what we do on Sunday as a corporate body is we allow the Lord. And what we're doing is we're giving him praise. We're praising him for his goodness, for his greatness. Are you with me? Halal. The second one is, let me read uh, Psalms 113. Here's what it says. Praise or halal, like give, give a voice of praise. Halal to the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Psalms 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expert. So you see, there's this halal that references giving God praise because of what he's done. He's been really good. The second phrase is yada. Yada. Yada I mean? Uh, I really hope that's not associated with an inappropriate song. If it was, I didn't know. <laughs> Somebody just said it is. My bad, parents. Uh, yada is a verb with a root meaning the extended hand to throw out the hands, therefore to worship with extended hands, so lifting hands according to, uh, uh, look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21. Give thanks or yada, lift up hands, throw up hands to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. The reason I'm pointing this out is because I want you to know that the kind of praise that we give when we lift our hands, it's not a denominational thing. It's not a cultural thing. That's not something black people and Latino people do. It's not something that, you know, Church of God in Christ and Assemblies of God do. No, it's yada. It's actually a biblical form of praise that in the sanctuary, you're actually supposed to lift your hands. Well, brother, I'm just not that emotional. You're not that obedient. Praise has nothing to do with how you feel and how you're wired. Well, I'm just an introvert. He's not. <laughs> and, and I love it because people will tell me, oh, brother, I, I'm just not really like that. I'm just not emotional. Until I see them at a football game or until somebody cuts them off and then I see all kinds of emotions. People start speaking in tongues that you need no interpretation for. <laughs> so when we yada, when we lift up hands, it's not because we're emotional. It's because we're obedient. God actually commands us to lift our hands. All right, number three. Let me run through these a little faster. You have toda. Comes from the same principal root word as yada, but it is used more specifically. Toda literally means an extension of the hand in adoration, a vow, or acceptance. By way of application, it is apparent in the Psalms and elsewhere that it is used for thanking, uh, for thanking God for the things not yet received. Now, Here's what I love about Toda, and I'm going to try not to preach too hard because I run out of breath and then it takes me a minute to come back. But the thing I love about Toda is that Toda reminds me of a story. When I was a youth pastor, we had this little Korean kid. He was chubby. He had big cheeks. His name was Jeremiah. He's about four years old. And one day I came over to his parents' house, who were my coworkers. They were pastors. I came over to their house with a box of Popeye's chicken. Good God Almighty. I feel the glory. I brought that, and anybody who's ever gotten Popeye's chicken, I feel sick after every time I eat it, and I know I'm going to feel sick afterwards, but it's worth the sacrifice. And so here I am bringing a fresh, piping hot box of uh, wonderful drums, thighs, and breasts. That, okay, let it go, Dill. I don't ask for this. All right. And, and I'm getting ready to eat my food. And as I'm getting ready to put it in my mouth, Jeremiah comes up to me with his hands up like this, and he says, thank you. 
what you mean, thank you, little boy? And I'm thinking, he's four years old, so he's got a little bit, you know, he's still learning English and all that kind of stuff. And so I said, oh, is it that you want some, Jeremiah? And he just looked at me and he said, thank you. I said, Jeremiah, what do we say when we want something? Thank you. It's like, no, 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 Jeremiah. That's what we say after we've gotten it. How do you ask for something? And this is what Jeremiah told me at four years old. You're going to give it to me. So I just said, thank you. I said, God, give me the faith of a child. Give me the faith of a child to prophetically praise you when I don't see the blessing coming. Give me the kind of toda praise that says thank you before you hand me the chicken. I am so confident that the Lord is going to make a way that I'll give him a praise in advance. I know it doesn't look good. It seems like the doctors are going to leave us to die, but I'm going to just thank God because he's worthy of the praise. And here's the thing. About, I'm getting too excited. Here's the thing about God. There. Let me calm down. The thing about God is that he is God and he has no necessity. Uh, he has no weakness, but if he did, he doesn't have one, but if he did, it would be praise. Uh, praise is attractive to the Lord. Praise is so attractive that Hezekiah was getting ready to die, but he said, God, I'll praise you. And the Lord extended his life 15 more years. Praise is so powerful that in Acts, the 16th chapter, Paul and Silas were in the jail cell. They were prayed up, tied up, locked up, chained up. But in the middle of the night, they started having a praise and worship service. And the Bible said that the Lord came down and loosed their veins. Praise is so important to the Lord that in the beginning of time, while he was creating stuff, before he created you, he would make a tree and there was no one there to say hallelujah. So he looked at himself in the mirror and said, it is good. God is so about his praise that when you don't praise him, he says, I've got some rocks that don't have blood streaming through their body, but I'll give a praise in their mouth. God doesn't need your praise, but let me tell you what attracts him. When you start saying thank you and he ain't even blessed you yet. Because there are those who are watching and those who are in the room, we say thank you because of what he did. We thank him because he's made a way. We thank him because he paid our rent and we didn't know how it was going to happen. But there are a few of us who are like the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and the bad Negro. And we're standing in front of the fiery furnace of trials and we are saying to the Lord, God, I thank you that you can pay my rent. But just in case you don't, you're still worthy of my praise. And just in case you don't come through like I thought you would come through, I want you to know this fire might consume my body, but baby, it ain't gonna consume my praise. I've got to get to the place that I praise God, not based on solely what he's done, but what I believe him to do. Somebody shout amen in the chat. Whew, I feel like I got my preach back. Look at number four, Shabbat. Shabbat means to shout, to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph. Psalms 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout to God with a voice of joy. If you have not shouted to the Lord, you have not fulfilled the scriptures. I'm going to be real bold. Because I want to come against this thing where we praise in our personality. God doesn't want our personality praise. Not to say that he doesn't want us to engage who we are and part of that. <coughs> but what we have to see is that God wants an obedient praise. And part of that is learning how to shout. The obvious story is what Joshua in the battle of Jericho. I want you to picture this. Let me kind of make it make sense to you. Imagine America's going to war. I probably shouldn't say that in like right now because who knows? It's 2020. But I want you to imagine America's going to war and they're drafting folks. And you know who's gonna be on the front lines? 
Matthew, Chris, Sohi, Demetra, the worship team. I got a question. Because when we read Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, we read it like the cute children's story we heard, but they are at war. Like, this is vicious. And they decide to put a worship team up front. I, I think you're missing it. Look, they are um, walking around. And, and mind you, God told them what to do. He said, walk around seven times. But Joshua gives them the instruction. This is what Joshua tells them. Don't talk for seven days. Now, if you go back and read it, God never gave that instruction. He never told them to be quiet. But Joshua was in the desert for 40 years. And he knew how the children of Israel would get with their mouth. I just, this is not a point, but I feel prophetically somebody needs to hear this in the spirit. Shut up. Shut up. Uh, you're complaining. You're murmuring. You're, is, that's what's stalling you in the season that you're in now. Because you talk too much with negativity. Now, I, I understand about venting, but there comes a point where we have to vent to the Lord and allow him to take the burden. And many of us, and I... This is the kind of pastor I am. There are going to be seasons where I tell you to shut up. <laughs> no, no, no complaining, no talking right now. We're just waiting on the Lord to see what he's going to do. And I want you to imagine thousands of children of Israel just walking around Jericho, worship teams up front. Nobody's allowed to talk, but I know what they're thinking because they're looking up at Jericho. Nobody's ever gotten inside. I'm sure they're thinking Joshua obviously has lost his mind. Does he not see those arrows up there? Girl, I just got my hair done. Expect me to worship all hard like that in the sun. And I could just imagine them being insecure and feeling afraid because their tools of warfare were much different than the tools of the world. I don't mean to bring up the card again, but let me just say it one more time. What God is going to teach us is that worship is a tool that the world doesn't have, but it's a tool that will bring breakthrough. When the children of Israel walked around Jericho, what did they do? They shabbat. They shouted. Now, here's the cool thing. Now, I'm going to give you a little science thing. I'm not much of a nerd, but I found this out. That scientists have found that within an atom is actually at its root a sound. At the core of the earth, there's a sound. If I remember correctly, they even named it as a, like an A-flat. They, they got the chord or whatever it was. But there's a sound. Now, my science friends, they don't understand this. Why is there sound? But I understand it because I know how the world was formed. I know that the world was formed not through the shaping with someone's hands, but God spoke it into existence. So I understand why the atoms have sound in them, because they are carrying out the word of the Lord. But I found something interesting, that there is actually a phenomenon where sound can be so loud that it turns into light. This is a scientific phenomenon. It's, uh, let me see if I can see what it's called. Are y'all catching something with me this morning? Oh, here it is. So the phenomenon's called, I'm going to put it on the screen, but sonoluminescence. Sounded like so, but it's there. You spell it out. The reason I point this out is because as I'm studying this, because I was doing a research on sound and how it affects, because what we're going to talk about, the, or what we're talking about this morning, is how worship is incorporated with, with music. This research on sound and coming to understand what sound is and how we're moved by sound. And then I found this interesting fact that there can be a sound that becomes so loud that it actually turns into light. Now, the prophetic people, you're already ahead of me. Come back. That's why God 
had them shout at Jericho because he knew that there was a decibel that you could hit that can break through darkness. You missed it. Did you hear what I said? That you can get loud enough that your sound actually turns into light. And I believe that God has set it up that way because your praise can break through darkness. Yeah, yeah, you can go into a dark region and start worshiping and lifting up a Shabbat and start shouting to the Lord. And you might look funny, you might look strange, but I promise you, you will change atmospheres because your sound can act literally break through to a point that it turns into light. Somebody say amen to that. So if you have not Shabbat in a while, we go Shabbat today. Let's go back into this. I got a few more. Let me hustle through it. Then you have Barak, which means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration, to salute. Psalms 95, verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us Barak before the Lord. Now, understand this. This is the position of humility. This is the position of service. And I want to talk to worship leaders for a minute. If you're not in this position, you're not really leading worship. Because worship is not about being seen. Worship is not about you becoming great. It's about serving the Lord and serving his people. See, that's what a Barak is. Barak is a kneel that says, God, it's not me. It's all you. Listen, it says, Lord, I am on bended knee. I'm humbled before you because of how great you are. And I'm telling you this because we should be experiencing these forms of praise in our lives on a weekly basis. We should be making shouts to the Lord. We should be lifting up holy hands. We should be kneeling before the Lord. These are actually biblical things that God is instructing us, not suggesting for us to do, right? So you have Barak. Oh, Jesus, this is why I told you to wear a jogging suit. We're going to be moving today. Then you have Zamar. Zamar means to pluck strings. Worship team, come head up on stage for a sec. It means to pluck strings of an instrument to sing praise, a musical word which is largely involved with joyful expressions of music with musical instruments. Come on, hustle, hop on stage. Now, here's what Zamar is. Zamar is a praise with instruments. So I know that we think that praise requires words, but sometimes praise is just a sound created from instruments. And here's what I wanna push our church into. I want us to get to the level that David was at. The Bible says that David was so connected to the Lord that when Solomon built his temple, that David had actually not bought instruments, he had created instruments. Like I don't, my brain can't think that far out, but we need to get to the place where the Lord starts giving us ingenuity on producing new sound. I'm tired of worship teams copying the latest sound of the world. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. I just think we serve the most creative creator who's ever existed, and he ought to be giving us new sounds. He ought to be giving us new chord progressions. All right? Are you guys hopping on? you on your instruments? Give me, just pluck something. Just pluck something. Now, here's what I want you to hear. Play something solemn. Give me a bunch of minors. Now, is he, is he in the, the live? Drew? Is he in the live? Okay, so now you hear this. This is not Zamar. Now, Zamar is not just the plucking of the instrument, but according to scripture, it's playing an instrument in a way that's actually celebratory. Watch this. Stop. 
the Lord tells us to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That's where Zamar, this is why it's important for musicians to not just see Matthew or Sohi as the worship leader, but you guys are all worship leaders. Because what's going to happen is you're going to Zamar. While he's shabaking, while he's barakin, you're going to Zamar. So, so what does it look like to Zamar? Now, if you're playing mellow Solomon, that's not Zamar. Zamar is a celebration. Give me trading my sorrows, key of G. One, four, six, five. Now, they were not prepared for this, so it's going to be messy. And you guys, everybody just join in with them and just play. All right. So you're hearing this. This is what it should feel like when we come into the presence of God. Now watch. Hold it. Hold it. Now, yeah, thank you. Now, many of you were feeling tired right before that happened. You're feeling a little down. Give me again. And what does Zamar do? It shifts your soul. So now you don't even want to be happy. <laughs> They're making fun of me because I, I like to move a little bit. Now, what's happening? All of a sudden, my soul, whether I like it or not, if I tune into worship, my spirit, my soul is shifting out of a place of sorrow into a place of Zamar with the musicians, and there's a celebration going on. So he says, enter my gates with thanksgiving, enter my courts with praise. So we're not coming in saying, we're not the Eeyore of worship. We come in saying, I'm trading my sorrow. And, and there's a freedom that comes, all right? Hold it. Now, when we zamar, it's important to understand that during corporate worship times, we can't just sing to the Lord. We have to have moments where the instruments are allowed to prophesy. And what you'll see is that the Lord will begin to stir up the Holy Spirit when music is played. Why is that? Now, this is a key point that I want to make. You are made up of three parts. You are spirit, soul, and body. And in order to rightly worship, according to John chapter 4, the Lord is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But quite often, in order to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, we have to shift our soul. Our soul is the place of our emotions. And a lot of times when we come into worship, we come in with our spirit hungry, but our soul unwell. And so we come in, and we, we've been burdened down all week. Our emotions are sad. And what do we do? We, we, we have this sad, kind of depressing worship. But what did God tell us? He said, for the spirit of heaviness, what have I given you? But I'm tired. I'm sad. My girlfriend just dumped me. Lost my job. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. And all of a sudden, you go singing in and out, but you let that music play. And whether you like it or not, your emotions are actually moved by music. Wait, hold it. You've been told your whole life to eliminate emotions from your relationship with God. And I'm going to tell you that that's false teaching. That's not the heart of the Lord. The problem is that we let the world have our emotions Monday through Sunday, and we don't let God redeem our emotions for his glory. God is not trying to eliminate your emotions from your walk with God. As a matter of fact, he told the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 that because you do everything right, you have good doctrine, you have great teams, you're a good leader, but you have forsaken your first love, that there is a passionate desire that must take place, an emotional desire. In our whole lives, we've been told not to be emotional in our worship, but I want to tell you, be emotional. Don't let it be the thing that sustains you. 
We know that emotions don't sustain us because they shift and they change. But when you come into the house of the Lord, when we praise God, what we're doing is we're shifting our soul so that our spirit can be free to worship. Does this make sense? We, we want to get our soul into a place that is full of joy. Let me race through these. I got a couple more minutes. Y'all all right up here? Last one. Tehillah is derived from the word halal and means the singing of halal. To sing or to, uh, let me read this again. My eyes are so bad. The singing of halals, to sing or to laud, loud, I think it says, I totally messed up on those notes. Uh, it'll be right in the notes on, on your screen. Uh, but perceived to involve music, especially singing hymns of the spirit. Now, uh, Andrew, take this for me really quick. Yeah, yeah, take the stand for me. I told y'all we're going to be messy today. It's all right. This is church. So when we have tehillah, tehillah, so when we halal, we're just saying Hallelujah. But when we tehillah, we're actually singing hallelujah. So a lot of times, what will happen, um, give me, uh, it's your breath in our lives. What key are we in? All right. Because I'm going to teach you how to corporately worship in the setting like we have at Collide. I, I want to hear you guys play confident. Y'all playing a week. Sing for me, Sohi. Just sing the chords. Keep singing. Now, what's going to happen is, especially here, we're going to have worship moments, and we're going to sing out choruses together, and then there'll come a point where the singers back away and stop singing, and the music continues. What do you do? Keep playing. Now, hold it, hold it, but keep playing. You started. Tehillah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You say, but what are we singing? There's no lyrics. I know, we're tehillahing. I kind of made that an English word. We're not just saying hallelujah, we're actually singing hallelujah. Why is that important? Now, I can't do, I've done this once before at a stadium and it was beautiful. We don't have enough people in the room to do this. I, I had a moment where the Spirit of God, we were in a stadium in the Philippines, and the music just began to play like it was a minute ago, and I just told everybody, sing hallelujah. And you know what it sounded like? It sounded like a rushing mighty wind. It sounded like waves of worship. And what happens is that you'll have moments of musical interlude, and instead of just staring at the screen or trying to figure out what's next or are we going to go to the bridge, just tequila, just hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the highest form of praise that you can offer the Lord. Are you still with me? All right, so let me do this last part. The last thing I want to show you is because I think a lot of us check out in worship while we're at home during this COVID season, and we kind of just fast forward to the preaching. Part of that is due to the fact that many of us have been taught that the main part of the worship service is the preached word. And I want to tell you that that is not the point to corporate worship. The point to corporate worship here at Collide City Church, we don't meet for unbelievers. We don't meet for believers. This is what we meet for, Jesus. And I say that because sometimes Jesus is going to show up for you in the worship. Sometimes he's going to show up for you in the altar call. Sometimes he's going to minister to you in the preached word. No matter how he ministers to you, I've seen people in our ministry get healed of blindness literally during offering time. Because God can do whatever he wants whenever he wants. And so when we label our Sunday expression to only unbelievers, what about the majority of your church that are believers that want to engage in worship? 
So what we do here at Collide is we say, we don't meet for the unbeliever. We don't meet for the believer. What we meet for is the presence of God so that we can encounter Jesus. That's what our Sunday experience is meant for. So let me run through a couple of things. The first thing that we have to understand is, and worship team, please hear me out because I'm teaching you guys at the same time. When we start off worship, a lot of our worship sets, we need to start it off with Thanksgiving. We start it off with some kind of, and it's not about the tempo being super upbeat, but it's this idea of like, man, we've all come in from different spaces. We're tired. We need to be uplifted. We need to be energized. We need our emotions to be kind of shifted so that our spirit can connect with the Lord. And so when we come into the house of the Lord, the reason we start off with celebratory songs is not just because fast songs should come first. It's because we wanna sing songs that are of thanksgiving because that's what he tells us to do. Now, mind you, a lot of the songs that we have now in our generation, and I, and I love it, they are about our relationship with him. And so you have, um, you know, you're a good, good father, or you have, um, I'm no longer afraid of fear. And those songs are great songs. I love them, but they're about our relationship with him, who we are in perspective to him. The way that I like to start off a worship service has nothing to do with us. I want to start off a worship service with just pure exaltation about him. So even in our worship songs, I, I'm not against it. I'm not saying it's illegal. We're not legalistic here. But generally, the principle we want to go for, even in your personal prayer time, this is not just for corporate, because what you see in the corporate environment should be an exposure of what happens in the secret place. Are you still with me in the chats? Okay. So when we come into service, we're being very purposeful, prayerful about the songs that we choose. The, the, the next thing you have to understand is, especially for the worship leaders out there, it's not as much about the song, though it is, but it's not as much about the song as it is about the anointing. So how do I walk in anointing? The Bible says it is the anointing in the book of Isaiah. It says it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. The word anointing there is actually not anointing. It means the word there is translated literally the fatness. The fatness of the Lord, shall, he shall break the oaks. Here's what it's saying. It's giving us an analogy because for farmers in that day, they would have uh, an oxen and they would put a yoke around his neck. But typically you would put a calf and their neck were too small for the uh, thing that you would put around. And so what would happen is you would feed them, they would grow, they would develop, and then they would break off the thing that was chained to them. What is that scripture telling us in Isaiah? That it is not some supernatural impartation of the Holy Spirit that breaks the yokes. That's what we think, the anointing, the oil. Really it is the fatness, what, what am I saying? It is the maturation of the believer that breaks the yokes. So when we talk about the anointing, I'm not talking about praying 10, 15 minutes before service, I'm talking about living out a lifestyle of worship so that when I come on Sunday, there's an integrity, there's a holiness, but also there's an anointing because I'm developing and I'm growing, right? Not just growing in spirituality, hear me out, but growing in skillfulness. The scripture tells us to grow in skillfulness. Why? Are you guys still with me? Y'all can hang with me. Now, here's what I want you to do. Let's play trading my sorrows. Um, you give me the regular one, four, six, five progression. Kenny, you give me a one, five, six, four progression. One, five, six, four. Everybody else give me trading sorrows progression. Oh, actually, you stick with the regular progression with him. You give me one, five, six, four. Key of G. All right, you start it off, and I'll tell you guys when to come in. You start it off. I'm going to teach y'all something. Wait, Kenny. All right, now come in, Matt, and come in, Kenny. Give me two four on the kick. 
Now, have you ever been in a worship service? Hold on, Mr. Bass player. Give me that. And you're about to go in. And you're about to sing it. Now, you hop in whenever you get ready. And you want to play, and you're getting ready to sing. Now, you should see the faces. Hold it. Everybody's face in the room is like, what the heck is going on? This is why we should not be satisfied with church level worship teams. This is what we do in church. We say they're good enough. And so people play sloppily and the ones who get good, there's no place for them in the church because we don't open up creative spaces for our creatives. So they take it to the world. I'm asking our worship team, not just to get a, a stronger anointing and prayer life, but get good at your, your skill. Tell me about your, how you practice, how you get better at your skill. And you don't just do uh, guitar. Tell us all of what you do. Sound, so. Is his mic on? No, no. Give him your mic so he... So I play sound. I play sound. I do uh, guitar. Hold on, hold on. Let's fix that. Quick, quick, quick. Hey, hey. Am I good? Maybe you should go hang back there with him, Andrew. So practice? Yeah, so t tell us what, what you do, like as far as service within church, because you don't just do guitar, yes. but tell us how you skillfully get better, because you're really good now. So a lot of people think when I get really good, then I'm done like improving. Talk to us about it. I think the first step, Really close to your mouth. The first step for me is uh, I don't think I'm really good. I um, always look for the next state, this next stage. So, you know, I, I look for the next level. I look for the best and the greatest person that's playing and I try to match their skill set you know their levels and um, all the things that they're, they're that's current not even just in Christian music but just in music in general right and um, I just I commit to it I commit to it so I say this stay right there I say this because a lot of us get on the worship team and we don't even try we don't get skillful and not just with musical instruments one of the things that we're doing in our community for our worship team is that we're hiring a vocal coach because we even want our vocals to be better we want to sing with skill why that skill that practice actually adds to the elements that's happening in worship now mostly musicians will know what I'm talking about when I say this but I believe that we can be in worship environments and God will tell us to go to a certain place but because we lack skill we can't go to that certain place. What do I mean? God wants us to sing this song in this key, but because we don't know how to play in all of our keys because we haven't practiced, we haven't gotten skillful, we, we are limited into where we can go in the spirit. Now that's important because a lot of times the Lord will begin to open up our worship services and you'll hear a prophetic song and a spontaneous song. What's the difference? And, and Andrew, give me a, a mic. Where's the, oh, let me grab that one. And I'm gonna switch to this mic. I'm really like a mess today, but I hope you guys are catching something out of this. Uh, turn this one off. All right. So, um, so what'll happen is you'll be at your house and you'll be in the worship. And if you're really engaged, you'll actually be singing. You'll be tahiling and yadaing and baraking. But what's going to happen is at some point the music is just going to play and give me kind of like a a one five six four progression, Kenny. Uh, just real gentle, kind of soft, worshipful music. And the worship team, here, let me hear it. You're my God. Sing it for me, Sohi. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful. Okay, 
keep playing Kenny you hold it Sony and then the worship leader he'll say something like this just sing your own song to the Lord and what happens is, is that it's your opportunity to do what we call a spontaneous song now Ephesians says that when we gather together somebody should have a hymn somebody should have a, a song of the Lord uh, and, and I want to tell you the difference there is a difference between the song of the Lord and a spontaneous song when we talk about the song of the Lord we're talking about a prophetic song You'll see this happen as we gather together because we are a prophetic house. Sometimes I'll prophesy and I'll call somebody out and I'll give the word of the Lord. But then other times I'll, I'll see somebody and I'll just start singing. The, for the Lord says this about you and this about and I'll sing it out. And that's called a prophetic song. What's happening is the Lord is giving me a download and I'm simply instead of speaking it, I'm singing what he's giving me. Now, sometimes he'll give me a prophetic song to sing over someone, but sometimes he'll give me a prophetic song, even as a worship leader, something he wants to declare over the corporate body. So you'll hear a worship leader sing something like, for the Lord is here and he wants to heal. What that is, is he's identifying, he's letting us know what the Lord wants to do. That's a prophetic song. Now, what's a spontaneous song? And I want you to really catch this because there are a lot of opportunities where there are no lyrics, where the worship team makes room for you to sing and ad-lib. Now this is really important. A spontaneous song is not a song that you're getting a download from the Lord. You're taking your heart and you're putting it to melody. You say, Pastor Joe, I'm not a singer. That's the thing. You don't need to be a singer to be obedient. As a matter of fact, he gave you an out. He said, I'll accept a joyful noise. But we're all required to sing a new song. It actually tells us, I think it's in Psalms 96, to sing to the Lord a new song. So we'll sing, here I am to worship. Here I am to worship. Here I am to And we're going to dive right back into worship in just a few minutes. Here I am to say that. Now everybody just start playing gently with them. You're all together And when this is happening, you know this song. And so you're sitting in your house on your couch, and if you're like me, hold on one second, Sohi. What I like to do in preparation for worship, and this is important, very practical, but very important, I want to get in a place that is comfortable. Now, here at our church, we worship for about 45 minutes to an hour, generally speaking, and I am a big boy. It is not comfortable for me to stand, and what, why is it important for us to get in a comfortable position? We want to get in a comfortable position because we don't want any distractions in our flesh. I don't want to be up for 45 minutes worshiping the Lord and all I'm thinking about is that my feet hurt, right? I want to take captive and those thoughts are going to come. And what you want to do is you want to adjust so you get comfortable. There's no religion here. There's no law. When I'm watching service at home, I'm sitting like this on my couch and I'm just worshiping the Lord and I'm honoring him. But this even plays in the context of church. This is why you got to watch what you wear to church. Now I know I'm going to get in trouble here. But you got to be careful of what you wear because you want to be able to freely worship and not expose yourself. I'll just leave it right there, all right? But you want to get in a comfortable place of worship so that you can be focused on the Spirit of the Lord. Sing the second half of that chorus one more time. You're all together. And you join Matt and play. Everybody start playing. So she's singing the lyrics. But when we come around this next time, I want us all to start singing just a spontaneous song. See, here I am to worship one more time. Even at your house right now, I know this feels kind of weird because we're being real practical. But in a minute, we're going to dive into worship. I want us to see how to do it. See, you're all together. Sing it out. Now we're going to go back into the chorus, but we're going to sing a spontaneous song. 
important and we're almost done we're going to dive back into worship you cannot worship correctly if you have self-consciousness instead of God consciousness if you are concerned with your esteem your dignity how you look you're going to really struggle to worship God in freedom why do I say that you remember the other week I preached about David bringing the Ark of the Covenant in and what did his wife say she said you are out your mind you were dancing and you're the king and you're just naked out on the streets. And David said, even more undignified than this will I become. Some of you don't worship to full capacity because you're too dignified. And real, authentic worship requires God consciousness, not self-consciousness. When you become self-conscious and you're concerned with how you look, you won't get in a position of worship. You'll, you'll think about, well, man, can they hear me singing? I'm not that great of a singer. I don't want them to hear me sing. Because you're self-conscious. What Paul tells us to do in those moments, because I, I know what that's like. You ever been praying and then thoughts just come one after the other? Here's what Paul tells us to do. He said, don't be a victim to those thoughts. He said, take captive every thought. So when I'm in worship, I'm going to get distracted. Stuff's going to happen. I'm going to see a cute girl and my eyes are going to wonder. I'm going to see a, 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 a light that goes out and I'll get distracted. It happens because we're in this flesh suit. So we get distracted. What we do is we don't entertain those distractions. We entertain, we entertain one distraction, and our only distraction in times of corporate praise is the Lord. And so when you get attacked with thoughts, you don't have to put up with that. What I do out loud, not, not in my heart, out loud, it doesn't have to be loud. I start rebuking it. I'm, I'll be in a worship service. I say, in the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of lust to come out of my mind. In the name of Jesus, I command my soul to worship the Lord. Right? And why do I say that? Because even David had to do this. David said, oh, soul, why are you downcast? Put your hope in God. He was telling his soul what to do. You can tell your emotions, your thoughts, because you're going to come in on days and you're going to feel sad, you're going to feel depressed, and God's going to say, put that to the side. Not that he doesn't care, but enter into my presence with praise, with thanksgiving, and you are going to have to command your soul to come in alignment with the Spirit of the Lord. See, I want to take it away from all of the pressure being on one leader, to lead us in worship. This hit me a few years back when I was in Korea and I was ministering for the first time and I was at this little church. There were maybe 150, 200 people there. I got there early just to check out the worship team and they sucked. <laughs> they were horrible. Um, and they were loud. And I just feel if you're gonna suck, you shouldn't be loud. Um, we are blessed because we have some legit musicians. They're skilled in the natural, but they're also saved. They love the Lord. Because I told our worship team, we're not going to have heathens leading us in worship. I'll get up here with a tambourine and stump my foot if I have to. I know y'all don't like that, but I, I said anyway. I got two more minutes. But I was in the service, and when I got there, um, I got there for practice, and nobody's in the room except for the worship team. Music is blasting. It's so loud, and I'm thinking, this is so loud. We're going to die, and it does sound good. Well, 
I came back after services started and I'm sitting there in the holy man's seats with the preachers and you could not even hear the worship team because the crowd, and there's only 200 people in this little space, they were singing with such passion that the only way that you knew that we were transitioning to a new song is that you stopped hearing music. They were so passionate that it wasn't a mandate for the leader to lead them in worship. They came with the, the responsibility that I am my own worship leader and I can get as much of it as I want. Now, here's the last thing I want to transition this into because I don't want us to start striving. This isn't about forcing something to happen. You know, let me just shout just to be shouting because we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. When we start doing in-person gatherings, it's going to be real distracting for many of us who are not used to this environment. It's going to take us a while to get used to it. But I want to give us the freedom here in this house at Collide that you worship as freely as you feel led. Just make sure that your heart isn't looking for attention. Make sure that because there will be times where you just need to give a shout and you're the only one in the room that will give a shout. We're not going to condemn you. Just make sure it's the spirit of the Lord and not your desire for attention. Does that make sense? This is really good teaching, whether you know it or not. All right. Um, and so what we want to do is we want to come in and we don't want to strive because, again, we don't want to be Martha. Now, here's the picture of worship. This is what happens a lot of times in worship teams. Uh, I remember when I was a worship leader, just starting off, I would lead worship and I would do this thing because I grew up in a black Pentecostal church. And you did not really praise God if you had not sweated through your suit. And so every five seconds, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right. Latino church, he, he understands. <laughs> They're the same. Oh. And so when I transitioned to a vineyard church, predominantly white and Asian, I took my black church context to that place and it didn't fit because every couple minutes I'd just be shouting during worship and I'd say, come on, jump, come on, lift your hands, come on, shout. And I had like worship ADHD, you know, just do this and do that. In the middle of one of the worships, I told people, let's jump, let's dance. And the pastor's wife walked up to me in the middle of worship, whispered in my ear, said, if we want to dance, if we want to jump, we'll do it. You prepare the table and let us eat. Obviously, I was like, who the? That's how we cuss in the church, right? I was so offended until I got home and I realized that she was right. That I was trying to get people to strive so that we looked like worshiping instead of resting and allowing worship to really take place. Now, sometimes you'll see me dancing, spinning, shouting. That can come from a place of rest. A place where I'm not, what do I mean? I'm not trying to earn God's love. This is not me praising him, trying to earn more of his presence. This is about me recognizing how great he is and aligning my soul, my spirit, my heart with him. Let's get ready to worship again. I'm, I'm going to worship with you here on the couch. I told him to bring out the couch. Let's get a little creative. Because I want to, which camera, let me look at this camera, Levente. Um, I... Last week, or the week before, I can't remember, I preached about the Ark of the Covenant being in both Obed-Edom's house and Uzzah's house. Remember, Uzzah touched the Ark of the Covenant and God killed him. You guys can start playing. Um, here's the deal. The Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, before it was in Obed-Edom's house, it was in Uzzah's house for 20 years. 20 years. He had grown up with the ark, the presence of God in his living room for 20 years. But I think Uzzah got so comfortable with the Lord and being around him that he became familiar with him. And quite often we come into the presence of God as professional Christians and not amateurs. 
But I'm telling you, we need to be amateurs at the glory of God. We need to always come with a position of learning to experience. But there's two options. You can either be Uzzah or you can be Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom did not have the presence of God in his home for 20 years. He had it for about three months. But he got so blessed that the king, the president, heard about it and wanted the ark back. He got so blessed that the Bible says that for two more generations, they were blessed because of Obed-Edom's service. Many of you have not encountered the presence of God because you've not come in humbly and said, Lord, it's not about how I look. It's not about how I feel because in my body, I'm tired. In my soul, I'm broken. But hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what I'm going to do about work. But hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. God, my, my husband just asked for a divorce. My wife's leaving me. This is the end of my road. But hallelujah, hallelujah, for many of you right now sitting in your living room you can feel the presence of God starting to overwhelm you keep it low for just a minute now as we enter into worship again you've got to be careful because Elisha asked for a heart to be given to him and when he asked for a heart to be given to him the spirit of God was stirring because music stirs our emotion it stirs us and that's a good thing and he began to prophesy but he wasn't the only one to do it. The Bible says that Saul, the Lord wanted him to kill the Amalekites and he kept the king. And he went up to a hill and he made a sacrifice to the Lord. And the prophet came to Saul and said, did not the Lord tell you to kill all of the Amalekites? What was that? He was telling him, didn't he tell you to obey? Didn't he tell you what to do? And you obeyed the Lord partially and not fully. So the Lord's going to strip you of your kingdom because the highest form of worship is not a song, it's obedience. But a couple chapters later, I think it's even one chapter later, Saul was vexed with an evil spirit. And so just like Elisha did, Saul called for an, an instrumentalist. And they said, we got this guy who's really skilled. His name is David. And David came in. And the Bible says that they paid David to play a harp every time that Saul would get vexed and his spirit would just get uneasy. David would play and then his demons would soothe. Wait, hold it, hold it. You don't want to be like Saul. Saul loved worship. He did not love the God of worship. Saul loved what worship did to his feelings. He loved what music did to his emotions, but he refused to worship. He loved praise. David, play your piano, play your instrument, because I feel better. And that's this generation. They love music. And so they listen to trash and heartbreaking music all week long, and they don't understand why they're sad and lonely. Because your emotions have been stirred all week by music, and God's trying to get you to That's See, and I hate saying this because I don't want to come off as legalistic or religious because it's not a thing about secular music versus Christian music. It's about how do you want your soul to be stirred? Because music will have you sing things that you don't even believe. A couple of years ago, they, there was a song that came out, I'm stupid, I'm stupid. And you had all these kids flunking school singing, I'm stupid. 
Because music will have you sing things and cause your heart to believe them. This is why I sing that you're the great I am, Jesus. Because what I'm doing is I'm telling my soul to hope in God and I'm stirring my emotions to become aware of the presence of God. So here's what I want to do while you're in the living room. You might want to get like me and you might want to just get on your knees before the Lord. Maybe you haven't felt the presence of God all of COVID. This is your opportunity right here for the next 20, 25 minutes. We're just going to give the Lord some praise. We're going to give him worship. I know we've gone long. I promise you next week we'll do better with time. Pastor's going to preach a fire word. But I want to just, however you guys want to lead us, give us about two minutes of you guys just prophesying on your instruments. Then Matt, whenever you're ready, just lead us however the Lord leads you. But give us at least two minutes of just music so that we can tehillah, we can halal, we can barak, we can shabbat. Come on, let's sing unto the Lord. A new song. Come on, right? Come on, right in your home. Right in your home, just get on your knees before the Lord. Turn up the music a little bit and just begin to sing your own song to the Lord. Tell Him how thankful you are, how grateful you are. For the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Just sing it to the Lord. It doesn't even have to sound pretty. But what's happening is all across the world, people are watching this live stream and they're singing a praise to the Lord. Come on, let's just sing a new song. afraid to show joy you're afraid to show emotions to show whatever for whatever reason but right now keep playing worship team and get ready to sing a song but if this works for you just put your hand over your heart right now I want to pray for your emotions 
God, I believe that your emotions are a gift, that you've given us emotions to express your heart. And so for those who are watching and even those in this room who are afraid to be expressive in their praise, because maybe in the past they were expressive and they were told to shut up like blind Bartimaeus. But Holy Spirit, would you redeem our emotions in this moment? Come on, right now, just receive that. Keep playing, worship team. As your hand is over your heart, I want you to pray for your emotions. Ask the Lord. You know, it's actually, it's, it's legal to pray this prayer. Jeremiah chapter 9. He said, Lord, that you would make my head a fountain of tears so that I could weep day and night for the slain of Zion. Jeremiah is praying for emotions. So go ahead. Take another minute before we sing the song. And I want you to pray for your emotions. It's, it's legal to say, Lord, give me tears in your prayer presence. I want to feel emotional about you, God. I want my soul to be moved by you. I'm going to worship you with spirit and truth, but I want my soul to be moved by you. Take another 30 seconds and just pray for your emotions. And then worship team, I want you to just lead us into a song. Start with the chorus and just lead us into a song.
and he points directly to where the duck is and here's what happens with the other dogs the other dogs see that dog they don't see the duck but they see the position that the dog is in and by faith they also position themselves in the same direction that the dog is this making sense so you've got the dog who found the duck he's pointing in a stiff position then you have the three or four other dogs who don't see the duck but they see the dog pointing to the duck, they get in the same position and point towards the duck. What is that trying to teach us? There are gonna be moments like this where you don't have the song of the Lord, but somebody else has the song of the Lord and you feel the wind of the Holy Spirit. That's like that dog that kind of gets stiff. And in that moment of spontaneity, you just start hearing, Lord, you're good, Lord, you're good all the time. And you start singing something like that, Lord, you're good. Lord, you're good, you're good all the time. What that is, is that I've caught the duck. I've gotten a hold of a phrase that the Lord wants me to sing out. And what happens is that everyone else who's in the corporate atmosphere, you might not feel the same thing that I feel, but by faith, we're gonna lead with the worship leader and we're gonna point in the same direction. Is this making sense? I know this is very prophetic and very spiritual and it's kind of messy, but I, I want us to worship in a way that brings God glory and brings breakthrough in the atmosphere. Can you say amen? So the last time, I know we've kind of been all over the place, Matt, and worship team, y'all are probably done with me. Let's sing one more song, like one more worship song. Here's what I want to do. Let's sing one more worship song. And then at some point, I want you to make space towards the end and just give us a moment to just sing our own song to the Lord. And then one of us is going to catch a, a song, a phrase, and we're going to sing it out over and over again. And we're gonna kind of exemplify what we want to see. Now, this is important because a lot of times we come to worship services and people aren't worshiping, not because they don't want to, but because they don't know how. And so in this house, we're gonna teach you how to worship. 
And you can do this at home. The glory, um, listen to me. If you will bring the glory to your house, by the time you get to God's house, and we all bring what God's been doing in us, no weapon. Come on, worship team, let's sing one more song. Just lead us as the Lord leads you. So he, that was amazing, amazing. Come on, worship team. And I'm just chill in my living room couch with y'all, and we're gonna worship together. He's the kingdom yours. He's the power yours. He's the glory forever. Amen. Yours is the kingdom yours. He's the power yours. He's the glory forever. Amen. Yours is the kingdom. Yours.
say even out of this house will come new songs the Lord would say I am sending singers to this house that will sing to the nations and their song of breakthrough will be banners over nations the Lord's showing me that there are gonna be people in collide that are invited to white houses and in front of royalty to sing and when they open up their mouth presidencies uh, presidents and uh, princes are gonna weep and cry under the anointing and presence of God. The Lord is going to begin to stir us in the area of creativity. I hear the Lord speaking to musicians. If you know musicians, you might need to even tag them in this word. I hear the Lord saying, it's time to take your heart off of the willow tree. The Bible says that they had gotten sad and the sons of Korah, I believe it were, they had placed their heart on the willow tree and they had given up songwriting. But I want to tell, I want to prophesy to some worship leaders to some Levites who have been discouraged, to some folks who have been down and out. I hear the Lord saying that this is the hour that I am calling you to take the heart off of the willow tree. No more complaining, no more wallowing in pain, no more wallowing in what's not working. For I hear the Lord say, there is a new sound of praise that will be raised across the Bay Area. Listen, I'm telling you, I hear the word of the Lord. I'm gonna text pastors this week. There is a wind of worship and the Spirit of the Lord that she's going to wave in a fresh way. There's a fresh wave across the Bay Area. And I want to, I, I, I try to stay within our two-hour limit, but i got to obey God. I want to prophesy to discouraged musicians, discouraged artists. There are even discouraged artists who put away their gift because they were told that it was secular. They were told that it was worldly. But I hear the Lord say, pick up your heart again. who this word is for but I even hear the anointing that was over David's life is going to be over many of your lives where God's going to use you to invent instruments you're going to invent new sounds and they're going to release breakthrough I don't know who needs that word but if you're a worship leader if you're in the chats just type that's me that's me that's me and even as they type that's me I want some folks just to agree retype their name and declare it over them a new sound of worship right now in the name of Jesus you might need to tag some worship leaders right now, some worship pastors. There are some worship pastors, they've been doing the normal, they've been doing the usual because they got resistance in trying to go to new spaces in the Lord. But the Holy Spirit is coming out of the closet. The Spirit of God is coming out of the closet. Whew. That's the word of the Lord. Say amen. Come on, say amen. In the chats, I want you to agree. Just type amen. Amen. Bring it down real low, guys. We're going to end service. 
Amen. So when we come in and we begin to praise God together, it's going to be because we worshiped him all week long. And when we come on Sunday mornings, that, that singing that we do, oh, it's important. It's not just Christian karaoke. There's breakthrough in my song. His praises are in my song. And the Lord told Israel, I will live in your praises. I don't want a visitation. I want a habitation. But it requires a sacrifice of praise. And so next week when we come together and we worship, it's going to be a little bit more neat, better put together than this. But just like I was sitting on this couch, I want you to be at home sitting on your couch at 9.59. No, come at 9.45. Because we pray 15 minutes before service. Come and join us. Get your spirit set. Get your flesh out of the way. Wake your soul up. And come with your notepad. And just wait before the Lord and worship. Sing out. Get your kids in there. They can spend two hours off their iPad. It's amazing. We want kids to have revival, but we give them no God consciousness. And I, listen, the Holy Spirit can translate himself for a five-year-old just like he can a 50-year-old. Get him in the presence. Teach them how to worship, just like I've taught you today. Teach them what it means to lift your hands, why we sing out. I was in Canada with my friend Chris Mathis, and they have a powerful children's ministry where their kids come out and worship with the church during worship. And these kids really worship. I mean, weeping, crying, all of it. So this thing, there's no age limit on this. So next week when we come together, I want you to come a little early, pray with us. And then at 10 a.m., get your family together and make them worship. They might not like it, but let me tell you, their soul's going to change as they hear the word of God. The other announcement I want to give you is, hey, sign up for Bible study. We start this Wednesday. Reggie Mack, who's a phenomenal teacher, he's uh, one of our executive team members. He's going to be teaching an eight-week course on how to study the Bible. A lot of people want to study the Bible, but they just don't have the tools. They haven't been to seminary. Well, we got a few folks who have. And uh, for eight weeks, and it's completely free, you don't even have to be a member of our church. If you're not a member of our church, it's totally fine. All you have to do is go to thecollide.com slash events, and you can see all of our info there. We're also getting ready to plan this month another movie night. And I had a really cool idea, so he, um, because we were thinking about doing, like, singing and all that stuff. I was thinking, because we're going to watch Sister Act 2, maybe we can do a karaoke before we turn the movie on and sing some of the songs, right? Because you got that Lauren Hill skill, right? Oh, but all of that information about events and everything is just right online at thekalai.com slash events. I want to encourage you to follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. And hey, if you're two, two more things, I know I'm being real long today. Um, one, if you accepted Jesus today, you, you tuned into the service, maybe somebody tagged you in it. Uh, maybe somebody encouraged you to watch it. Maybe you've been far from God and this is your first time kind of even back at church. I want to encourage you. You're just one prayer away. God doesn't care how far you, you've gone. He doesn't care what you've done or who you've done it with. All he cares is that you're willing to surrender. And maybe you're surrendering again. And this morning, if you're watching, maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your master, your ruler, your king. Or maybe you've done it before, but you, you fell away and you want to recommit your life before the Lord. Well, right now we're going to pray a prayer. And this prayer doesn't make you saved. But what it is is a confession of what we believe. It's living it out. It's the Holy Spirit that regenerates us and saves us. And all we have to do is just surrender and say, Lord, we want you to be our master. So I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And there's no magic words. And we're going to all pray this together, even though most of us in here, all of us in here are believers. We're going to do this in solidarity with our brothers and sisters who are watching, who may be doing this for the first time. Maybe you're recommitting. I, I don't care. But as we pray this, I just want you to mean this prayer, the words behind this. Repeat this after me, everybody. Just say, Father. Come on, everybody in the room. Father, 
I recognize that I am a sinner in need of saving. I ask that you would come into my heart. Make me a new person. I want to serve you for the rest of my days. And I want to ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I confess that you died for me. You rose again for me. And I believe that you're coming back for me. Amen. That's as easy as it is. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or you're recommitting, if you go to our website, thekalai.com slash live, um, right on that site, there's an opportunity, a button you can click that says, I committed my life to Jesus. Uh, there's some information there. There's a form I'd love for you to fill out so I can get to know you. But many of you who are already saved and you're looking for a new church home, a family, and we are a presence-driven family where you can belong before you behave. Um, we want to invite you to come and be a part of our family pretty soon. I don't know when, but we're going to try to start doing in-person gatherings. Those invitations are going to be private to our members first um, as we as we get ready to do this next season. And so you want to be in membership. You want to be on roll call. So if you haven't signed up to be a member, you haven't had a conversation with me or one of our associates, um, you want to do that. And all it takes is you go on our website, thekalai.com slash interested. And uh, right there, fill out that form, and one of our team members this week will get a hold of you. We want to connect with you, and we want you to be a part of our family. All right, with all that said, let's pray. Let's get out of here. I know we're tired. I want to say this, and I'm never going to get tired of saying this. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. They may not know, but what we do every week and what we do during the week on top of regular jobs and careers with Reggie, Andrew, Andrew, all these guys, and the sacrifice they make every week, because it really is a sacrifice with strength, even finances, they make every week to be able to serve you in this time where it's really difficult. So I'm just going to ask you to do this for me. If you were blessed by today's message or the worship and all that was going on, would you just repost it, tag collide, do hashtag collide city church so that our team can see that, man, people are really getting blessed by what God's doing. All right. So tag collide city church in your post. And we'd love to see you next week at 945. Cause you're going to come and pray with us. Let me close this out in prayer. God, I love this church. I really do. I love the freedom that you're giving us in this church and that we're able to kind of reconstruct what it means to corporately gather before you. God, this morning we were all over the place and I know that you can take the word that was preached and you can make it real for every person who is watching. And so Holy Spirit, no matter where we are in our level of spirituality, I pray that you would take us deeper into lifestyles of worship and that you would make us unashamed, unabashed praisers of you, that we will, like David, have the heart that says, I don't care about my dignity. I don't care how I look. I care about him being worthy. God, I thank you, thank you, thank you that this is gonna be a house of praise. This is going to be a house where many songs, CDs are going to be written, Lord, and we trust you for it. We love you, God. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.